Hi, this is Ugo Che, and this is the Traveling Image Makers podcast, the show where we interview famous and not so famous photographers and discover what compels them to travel many hours and cross many borders to get the shots. Today, um, I have a guest who is joining us from Sweden, Matthias Schölund, uh, who I got to know recently. And uh, I noticed on his website that he has a uh, Uh, many photos. He's also organizing uh, photo tours and workshops in some locations that I didn't know about them before uh, getting to know Matthias. And I didn't even know about their existence. And right now I cannot even pronounce their names correctly. They're so alien to me, those uh, Swedish names like Knutjöldsmossen or something like that. We'll, We'll ask Matthias to to pronounce them correctly for, for me. I don't want to butcher them too much. So, welcome, Matthias. How are you doing today? Hi. Well, thank you uh, for uh, for doing this. Uh, uh, I'm fine. I'm uh, really good. Our spring up here is really cold right now, so we are all awaiting the beautiful uh, spring uh, greens to come out. But in the meantime, uh, we are ducking for the rain. So you're a photographer, you're mostly a landscape photographer. And you're yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's correct. I'm, I'm running a, uh, a sort of a, a photo uh, experience business that I call Photo Magica, which is actually aimed for Scandinavians. It's a Swedish uh, language platform where I arrange tours in uh, Scandinavia and abroad, uh, Spain, UK, Scotland, etc. Uh, and uh, but as I said, it's a, it's a business for uh, people in Sweden who like to develop their skills in landscape photography. Well, I'm pretty sure we have uh, people from Sweden in our in our audience here. But even if we don't, I mean, you wouldn't probably you will gladly accept even people from abroad if they want to oh, of to see Sweden or Finland or those places. Yeah, and when yeah. it comes to Scandinavia, I mean, I've been to I've been to Norway, I've been to Senja or Sanya, I think that's the right pronunciation yeah, Sanya, yeah. for for a photography trip, and then I've been to Göteborg or Göteborg again, but that was not for photography. So my knowledge is very limited. And then when I read those names on on your website, and I said, what what are they? Where are they? And I looked at the photos; they're beautiful landscapes. I'm actually. On the TV here, we had a. I was watching for for some time um, a TV series, uh, a documentaries about Finland, especially about the Finnish landscapes, in okay. Lapland and the lakes and the forests and so on. And it's fa- fabulous places. At least here in Italy, we we don't think about Sweden or Finland as a destination. And also in terms of landscape photography, I know that there are photographers who know those places. I know there are photographers, of course, who are very familiar with Lofoten, other places like the fjords in Norway, or Iceland, which may technically not part of uh, uh, Scandinavia, but still uh, somewhat associated with with Scandinavia and the northern countries. But uh, there are some, some really amazing places, and Sweden, or even Finland are such vast countries that are, there's probably a ton of things to see. There's also people who go there for the 
uh, northern lights during winter but even during other times of the year I'm sure there's, uh, there's a lot to, to see and photograph. Would you like to uh, give us a few uh, hints, suggestions about what in your opinion are the locations in Scandinavia that should not be missed by somebody who is into landscape photography and maybe has already been to say Lofoten and want to see something yeah. different a bit more off the beaten path? Yeah. Good, good uh, topic and good question. Uh, we can we can begin in the north. Uh, you said you mentioned Lapland. Lapland is actually a, a region that stretches uh, from the western part of Norway through Sweden into Finland and into Russia a little bit. And 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 uh, Lapland is a northern territory uh, that uh, is on the western part. You have the, the wild Norwegian mountains. Uh, you're coming into Sweden. You have older mountains uh, that are more affected by by the the ice capage that was there a long, long time ago uh, through the Ice Age. So they are more rounded hills, if you like, uh, not, not so uh, dramatic peaks that you will find in Norway. But then again, you have... Uh, a, a much uh, older uh, landscape with uh, canyons uh, in Abisko, for instance, which is a beautiful national park. Uh, and then stretching into Finland, and you have the Russian taiga and the forest coming uh, more in the east. So it's, it's a beautiful territory, and you can actually travel it you know, you can actually begin out in Lofoten and then go eastbound <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, through Sweden and into Finland and, and discover the entire Lap Laponia or Lapland uh, uh, as a beautiful territory with a very diverse natural experience, I would say, uh, given, given the differences between... Uh, the, the western and the more eastern parts. So just to uh, mention some names, uh, you mentioned Obisko. I mean, you you would uh, you could come in to, to Norway, uh, Norvik. Uh, you can come into Kirna in in Sweden, for instance, as good starting points. Uh, uh, and uh, you mentioned Senja. You have Lofoten. You have uh, Obisko, uh, which I. And, and uh, there is a, a, a trail called mm -hmm. the King's Trail or Kungsleden that begins in Abisko uh, that you can walk. Uh, it's, uh, I, I can't really appreciate how long time it will take to walk it, but it's several days, right? Uh, and that will take you on a fantastic uh, scenic landscape tour. Uh, in, in northern Finland, uh, you have a national park up there in the north that I can't really pronounce the name of, but I will make sure that you can put it down in the show note. Uh, but anyway, the, these locations uh, are not severely far from each other, but still very diverse. I mean, you can, you can spend a week or two up there and, and see so many different type of landscapes. 
coming there in the winter obviously it will be hard to travel uh, on the road system uh, but then again you have the northern lights as you mentioned coming here in the summer uh, you have uh, well another type of nordic light the 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 uh, the endless night the white nights that are famous worldwide um, so, so what would you say would be the, the best time of the year to, to visit those locations? I, I think it's two, it, it's two different types of photography, really. Either way, I mean, in one, in one, on one end, you will live in complete darkness, basically 24-7. On the other end, you will live in complete daylight for, uh, for your entire journey. Uh, but uh, uh, June, June, July will be, well, June, I, I would guess, when the snow melts up there and, and you have uh, uh, a lot of uh, water, uh, etc. running in the, in the springs. So that is obviously a lovely time of the year to go. Uh, so, uh, but, but then again, uh, choosing one of these locations for midwinter uh, adventure like Obisco, it's also spectacular. I guess if you are okay with sleeping very little, you can go in the summer <laughs> and yeah. stay out 24 hours taking photos. <laughs> well, well, I, yeah, well, the good, good thing is, I presume you, you can, uh, you know, hang out between 9, 10 in the evening and, and yeah. 3, 4, 5 in the morning and, and shoot, and then you sleep during the daytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, try, I try doing this in, in Scotland, for example, in Sky, going there in... In May, it was not even the, the, the longest days, it was not even June, but it was like, okay, we want to go for the sunrise at the Quirag. He said, when is sunrise? Oh, it's 4 a.m. Okay. And then we need to get up at 3 to, to get up, get prepared and drive there. And said, and then where, where do we go, want to go for sunset, let's say, in Elgol? And when is sunset? Oh, it's 10 p.m. Oh, <laughs> when do we sleep? <laughs> yeah. Well, you basically go to bed after breakfast, I presume. So anyway, so, so that, that is the, the northern parts. And, and if you think about it, uh, uh, I mean, we, we are uh, typically, I would say that, that landscape-wise, we are a little bit uh, uh, jealous of, of our Norwegian brothers and sisters, giving their fantastic, spectacular landscape. And, and as soon as you cross over the border from Norway coming into Sweden, you can almost see how the entire landscape sort of flats out. Uh, but having said that, and especially maybe during this pandemic, uh, a lot of Swedes have discovered how diverse and beautiful Sweden is. Uh, so, that, so having that up in the north, going all the way down i mean the country to begin with is very long right uh it's 2000 some kilometers long so if you turn it upside down you're gonna stretch from the southern tip you can go all the way down to barcelona uh, and that's basically the length of sweden so the 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 uh, diversity is pretty vast we have the the beautiful beach forests in the south 
We have the archipelagies of, of Gothenburg on the west coast and archi the archipelago of Stockholm on the east coast. You have the island of Gotland. And, and uh, for instance, uh, I know you were a little bit curious about the Rauks in Gotland. Uh, and, and the Rauks uh, are uh, basically land formations that have been left uh, 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 from the erosion of the sea. So, and these rocks can be pretty tall pillars standing straight up, uh, eight, 10 meters tall. Uh, and some of these rocks are out in the water and, and almost like sea stacks, uh, but very old. And, and uh, they are made from limestone. So they are almost white. So they are beautiful to, you know, shoot in, uh, uh, so, uh, and that's on the island of Gotland, right, uh, which is out in the Baltic Sea. So the, the you can, you can uh, I think, uh, going to Sweden, you need to do that in chunks uh, and, uh, you know, spend, spend some time in the south, perhaps spend some time out in the Baltic Sea or by the coast and, and uh, a third trip could include the the northern parts, for instance. Because yeah, pretty, pretty vast yeah. country, sure. Um, yeah, like Italy, I presume. I mean, you also have a diversity going from north sure. to south. Yeah. Um, but in practical terms, uh, I, I know I can, from here, let's say tomorrow, I wanted to go to Sweden. And uh, I could go to the south from, from here. It's no-brainer to, to fly into Stockholm or Gothenburg. And, and then maybe go around those areas. But uh, let's say I want to go to Abisko, which is, I understand, yeah. up north. How, how do you get there in practical terms? Do you go into, it's easier to go into fly into northern Norway or there's, there are airports. How, how can I uh, reach those, those areas? Yeah, well, in the summertime, you can choose either to go into to, uh, uh, Norway uh, or or Kirna in in Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Kirna is uh, also the preference airport winter time, and the, then you need to ping pong through Stockholm, for instance. Uh, so uh, coming into Sweden from abroad, you almost one hundred percent likely will need to transfer through Stockholm Airport, Stockholm Arlanda Airport. Uh, to, to get up to the northern parts. Going to the southern parts, I will actually recommend Copenhagen uh, mm -hmm. as soon as the the uh, pandemic is over and all the... Mm -hmm. The borders are open. Yeah. Uh, we're getting, so, there are uh, news that we are getting a, a green pass across Europe yeah. to be able to travel when we are vaccinated or with a negative test. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> But once I, I, I am up there, how's the the infrastructure? Uh, I can't imagine. Is it very wild, or can you? There are cities. No. How's do you? When you go to a park, a place like Obisco or one of those parks, do you stay in hotels in cities? Do you go stay in huts? You go camping? How, how is typical activities arranged? Well, well, well. First of all, uh, Sweden is very easy to camp in. Uh, we are quite liberal when it comes to camping rules. 
so you can pretty much camp anywhere in a tent if you like. Uh, but but the the uh, the Obisco is is a little bit uh, special. I would presume as a national park because it has uh, uh, like, like I mean most national parks are a little bit remote and obviously Obisco is remote in itself. But once you are in Obisco, uh, you can stay at a pretty good hotel by the train station and you can walk from there into the national parks uh, with you know roughly three minutes and and then you're in the park uh, once in the park you can obviously take uh, trails to all sorts of directions but and you can stay inside the park also but if you don't want to uh, do that you can always return to a comfortable hotel <laughs> in the evening so Obisco is, is sort of special because you have, you come to Kirna, there is a flight bus going to, to Obisco. You can uh, take a taxi to Obisco. You can also do a, a night train from Stockholm up to Obisco. Uh, that, that in itself is a fantastic experience. Don't do it in the winter, however, because the, the railways uh, don't always work up there in the winter. So too much no exactly so uh, uh it's it's a very comfortable and easy uh experience actually giving the remote location we were talking about makes me wonder why i never thought of going there <laughs> it's... oh well you're more than welcome yeah. I, I i have a, a, a northern lights tour up there in january cool yeah, the north, I went to to Sanya for the Northern Lights. Sanya is like. beautiful. I mean, and you did. I think personally, I mean, uh, giving the 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 high level of tourism in in Lofoten in February, for instance, uh, where Northern Lights is uh, a given, most well not most nights, but several times during February, very crowded. Right, while in Sanya it's more calm. So I think you did a wise choice going to Senya. <laughs> it was mostly a choice due to the fact that we didn't have a lot of time and getting to Lofoten would have taken us in total just two days to get there and two days to come back with three flights and a boat and so on. So, so that's, we only had like five days, so that was out of the question. And we said, where well, we can go, oh, we can fly into Tromso. And from there, it's a two-hour boat ride to Senia, which is, we discovered it's a really a beautiful island. Uh, they call it uh, the miniature Norway, I believe, because it's, it, they say it has in, in one fairly compact place a variety of landscape that reflect pretty much all of the landscapes of Norway, or at least that's what they say. But it was really beautiful. Unfortunately, we didn't get many northern lights. It was uh, either not much solar activity or too many clouds. So yep. <laughs> going, we need to go back there. Um, so when you do your tours, you, you typically stay in hotels, comfortable, or it's more of a you, variety of experiences, more wild. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, uh, my, I run a typically a, a, a format that includes, uh, you know, uh, single occupancy rooms, mm -hmm. uh, fairly good standard. Uh, I have a, a client base that I have learned appreciate that sort of 
service. Uh, so I also like to, you know, the, the surrounding service should be good. I mean, high, high level food, etc. It doesn't need to be super expensive, but you know, it should be good quality all, all the way through. Uh, so I don't I don't really run these sort of more advanced uh, adventures where you sleep out in the wild together with ice ice bears and and elks and etc. <laughs> yeah, how about the wildlife? I mean, if, if somebody is really into wildlife and maybe combining wildlife with uh, with landscape, I know people who have been to Svalbard for the polar bears, but maybe there are no. <laughs> Continental Sweden is not the place for polar bears, but maybe there are other other types of wildlife. Yeah, well, sure, there are wildlife. I mean, I, I think Sweden is uh, world famous, at least in parts of Europe, for for our elks and uh, mm -hmm. our reindeers, etc. Uh, however, I I don't arrange tours including wildlife photography, uh, but uh, uh, birds, uh, you know that are typical for the northern parts of the world, elks, reindeers, etc. are we, we have pretty many of those. So uh, if you're interested in that type of photography, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going this weekend to a monk uh, that is called, you tried to pronounce it earlier, the Knutheitsmossen, which is uh, a monk uh, that is located uh, uh, well, in the Stockholm region, about two hours from Stockholm. It's a beautiful place. We will go there at 3 o'clock in the morning. We will catch the first light around 4, 4.30. Uh, so it's that type of adventure. And, and right now, uh, at, at this time of the year, the, the entire mug is filled also with a, a, a very specific uh, type of a bird that is very shy uh, so many people go there to to catch it so that that type of place would also be a, a good place to go if you want to you know do uh, bird photography uh, I don't know the English uh, term for for this bird but uh, it's a quite small bird actually <clears throat> but it, it nests there in the springtime and uh, it, it's a well, it's a beautiful place, so uh, mm. I uh, I sent you some pictures that you can perhaps share us in the show notes. We we put them in the show notes, of course. Uh, maybe a silly question, but what is a mog? A mog is like, you know, a, a swamp type of oh, area, sure. right? Yeah, but it's not a swamp uh, because I think a swamp would characterize where tree logs, large tree logs are growing in in uh, in the water region but it's it's a lot of small small tiny lakes and small small islands mostly growing with small pine trees it almost look like a japanese fen garden type mm. of uh, so it's a wetland it's a wetland good yeah yep, there you go it's a wetland Go, going back to, to the north, another thing I wanted to, to ask in, in practical terms, especially for people who want to go there for the winter. <laughs> I know it's a, it sounds like a, a stupid question, but I mean, is it cold? And let me qualify what I mean by cold, because I, as I said, I've been to Sanya in February, and it was not cold. 
no. temperatures were hovering around zero degrees, minus two, maybe minus a few degrees Celsius, of course, during the night, but then during the day it was uh, above zero in February. But I know that because of the Gulf Stream, which warms the water around the coast, but I heard that when you go more to the interior, the temperatures drop pretty fast. So just, I know it's a yeah. silly question. I yeah, know it's right. cold. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. And in January, uh, in January and perhaps early February, late December, you can easily experience temperatures below minus 30. Yeah. Uh, so it can be pretty darn cold. Sure. Uh, and let's say you, you come there uh, on a, a range tour, like um, the one I'm doing, or there are many tours up there. The tour companies usually provide with uh, really warm clothing because the ones you buy in the store, uh, you know, uh, that says... Uh, like, uh, you know, the typical winter clothes you buy in an outdoor shop, they, they won't do it. You know, they won't mm -hmm. cut it. You, you're going to need more clothes than that. So they, we usually provide uh, over, overalls that are, uh, that are uh, you know, have the right type of material to handle that sort of temperatures. Gloves that handle that Gloves, sort yeah. of temperatures as well. You know, for, for us photographers, uh, the, the cold and... Uh having to use gloves and to take them out off for for using the camera is always a, a problem. Yeah, so and, and also and also that you need to think about. You you really need to, to uh, when you're done photography in, in that sort of a climate, you need to put your camera in a vacuum bag mm -hmm. to before you bring it inside because otherwise the condensation is gonna you know break your gear. Yeah. or something so yeah yeah there are you know it's it's a little bit special but you know it uh, if you if you travel in a company they they will they will help you with that provide with you with all the necessary so you're not yeah. unprepared good to yeah. know good to know because yeah i've experienced bitter cold when skiing in the alps like mm below minus 20 or so, but, but I, it, it's different, right? It's, it's minus 20, not minus 30. I don't think I ever skied with minus 30. And second, you're skiing, so you're moving, so you're generating heat, your, your arms are moving. You're not standing in one place for one hour waiting for the northern lights or the right sunset or, or stuff like that. So I guess it, it's, you really need to, to have special preparation there. It's good to know that there are people that are taking care of that. Yep. Yes. So going again over the, the list of places that you, you bring people to, I know that this one down, uh, again, probably butchering the name, uh, Yemtland or Yamtland, Jamtland? Yamtland, yeah. So Yamtland will be south of Abisko, but still belongs to, to the you know Nordic region of, of Sweden. Uh, it's actually in the middle of Sweden, really, if you if you look at a map. Uh, uh, so I live down in Stockholm, which is in in a general term would be considered the middle, but it's pretty pretty much south of the middle. So uh, the middle of Sweden is about six, seven hours north in a car from here. You come to the town of Ustersund, 
O-S-T-E-R-S-U-N-D. Uh, and, and from there you have pretty much the entire region of, of Jämtland available. It's very vast, uh, so you really need to select carefully where you want to go, but you have beautiful canyons, really fantastic waterfalls, uh, beautiful forests. Uh, I would strongly recommend going there September, October. Uh, you get good uh, fall colors? Yes, extremely good fall co colors with birch trees, aspens, uh, you know, and also the entire, you know, uh, floor of, of, of the woods is changing colors and shifting into the reds. Uh, so, um, now it's very beautiful. Also in the winter, can be pretty extreme there, but uh, uh, you have mountains there as well, obviously. Uh, a very good ski resort uh, as well. So, uh, it's, uh, it's a, just a nice place to go any time of the year, but for photography-wise, I would strongly recommend the fall. Uh, and, uh, do you, again, do you get water in, in the water in the waterfalls? Yeah, they, they, these waterfalls are huge. Uh, not not huge, American huge, U.S. huge, <laughs> or or uh, you know, but uh, or Norwegian huge. But they're, they these are big waterfalls, uh, beautiful to catch, and uh, yeah, just a beautiful area to go around to. Uh, uh, and I can uh, again put out some areas in the. Uh, to the show notes on recommendations where to go. You would fly into Stockholm and you would take the train or the an airplane northbound up to Östersund, rent a car and get out in the in the wilderness. Yeah, as I said, I was saying I love waterfalls and I learned that waterfalls don't have to be huge to be an interesting photographic subject. Actually, it's many cases it's probably the opposite. I mean, there are some waterfalls in the world, I'm thinking also specifically of Iceland, which are very recognizable, like Gödafoss, which is huge, but uh, it's more difficult to, to capture. It's, yeah. since it's easily recognizable, people have seen those photos a million times. And I've seen that if you find a, a small intimate waterfall in the middle of the forest, and you, you can get really close and zoom into the waterfall, and it doesn't matter if it's huge, you can fill the frame with a nice, beautiful, small waterfall and get a, a, a stunning result. Uh, yeah, that, that, no, I, I would probably like to, uh, <laughs> I would probably like to, to add to what I just said. I mean, when I say huge, I mean not, not Norwegian or Italian or whatever huge or Icelandic huge. But they are big, and we have a certain, uh, certainly a, a more amount of the more intimate, smaller uh, uh, waterfalls that are out in the forests or in small canyons. So uh, it's more of that type of landscape. You don't you don't find really big waterfalls like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was I was uh, hinting at the, the fact that. I mean, I've been to Iguazu in the border between Brazil and Argentina. I don't know if they're the, probably the biggest waterfalls in the world in terms of the 
extension of, uh, of land, the number of different falls that comprise that area, which is immense. And it's very, it's difficult to photograph. Uh, it's impossible yeah. to take it all in. There are some spots where you can, of course, get some really good compositions, but uh, you cannot move as freely. Uh, there's always people there. So uh, I've been to Iguazu, but I don't have any really great photos of Iguazu. And then I've discovered some waterfalls, say, in Scotland, in the middle of a little canyon that are just stunning with interesting rocks, uh, and which to me were much more satisfying than big, huge waterfalls. So if, if you have those kind of, uh, of places there in Yamtland, I would gl gladly go and photograph them. <laughs> That's what I'm yep. saying, basically. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, and uh, I, I remember sending also one of those forest uh, type of waterfalls in there among the images. But uh, yeah, and I, I think one of the larger problems with really big, uh, vast waterfalls and and pla places like uh, Skogafoss or whatever in Iceland is sense of scale, because you don't you don't really have any reference other than if you do as many people do, obviously include a human or something in, in, the, in the frame. But uh, the sense of scale shooting up in Hyfoss in, in Iceland and, and you don't, I mean, this crater is huge, but just an image of it won't reveal the scale of the place. So it's hard to get a good image because first of all, you, as you say, you need to try to encapsulate as much as possible in the frame and and the sense uh, and then the sense of scale will be a, a problem because you don't really get that intimate type of shots yeah what else i mean there's so many places that i would love to see again including iceland i've never been to iceland that's something that needs to be, <laughs> to be remedied yeah, well, I, so. I, iceland is certainly a part of the nordic region uh, and uh, something that I would consider quite local, even though it's a three-hour flight or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, Iceland is, is classic, obviously, and, and a little bit maybe in parts, at least, well too documented. Uh, people go there and do the preconceived photos of various locations we have seen a million times. Um, but obviously there are a lot of hidden gems in Iceland too, and I think in the in 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 the last years the the highlands have been more uh, exposed than than previously. Uh, but uh, the the southern coast and and the highlands and whatever I mean we all seen it, but I mean obviously it's a fantastic experience going there. Uh, so. Um, I'm sure it is I'm still uh, pining to go to Iceland one day. But now you've made me put also Sweden on the map. Uh, yeah. uh, also, now you, you go to, to Scotland, right? You have tours there to the Highlands and uh, Isle of Skye. That's, another, that, that's a place that I know quite well. Yeah, but it, yeah it's, fi it's funny with Swedes, right? Because uh, Scotland is is very popular um, destination for Swedes in general 
and, and in particular uh, among photographers, uh, obviously for several reasons. But it's funny, I mean, if, if you arrange a trip to Scotland, it sells out immediately. <laughs> uh, so Scotland uh, seems to be this uh, never-ending well of, of uh, customers who wants to go there. And, and I, I, I do a very com, compressed uh, Scottish experience, uh, a trip that I have done myself uh, several times, but uh, starting in the lowlands uh, and, and going uh, uh, north, northwest up to Isle of Skye and then coming back doing the highlands and then coming back down through Glasgow, going back to Edinburgh for for the flight back. So it's a it's a it's a weekend basically, and uh, but it's a nice tour, and you get to see a lot of the most beautiful places in Scotland. Obviously, then uh, you don't get to spend a lot of time in all these locations, but you can always come back on your own and and experience the the. Uh, Hebrides or, or whatever, the, the islands out there on your own for a longer period of time. Going back to Scotland, especially Glencore or Skye, to me is always worthwhile to do it, even if I've been there already. Yep. Yep. Um, you, you also, uh, on your radar or your map, you have more southern locations, right? Uh, just going to briefly mention the fact, just because I don't want this to be a uh, sales pitch, but we are doing a tour of the Dolomites together next summer. I'm saying next no, well, summer after the next because we are in May right now. It's going to be summer 2022. We're going to uh, call it uh, a workshop a tour of the Dolomites in um, yes. that end of June, beginning of July 2012. So just going to let the people on the uh, on this. Um, on this podcast, know that you can uh, go to photomagica is that dot net, yes or sir, dot net, and check out our tour of the Dolomites. You will find a page in Swedish. You can use Google Translate, but you can contact me, and I will give you all the information needed. I think there's uh, still a few spots left that, but you're also going to uh, to to another place that's been on my radar for quite some time, but I've not been there. Uh, at least I've not been there for doing landscape photography, and that is Spain, especially yeah. the northern coast of Spain, the Asturias or the Galician region, right? Uh, you told me that it's um, you, you're not an expert there. You're going, uh, you're going with another person, right? Yeah, I mean, I I uh, I, I would never lead a tour uh, to a place I've never been. I mean, obviously that that goes without saying <clears throat> so from time to time as in the case of Dolomites with you or in the northern Spain for instance where I will team up with Christian Hoiberg uh, from from Norway uh, or or in Portugal where I will co-lead a tour with uh, Angelo uh, Jesus I think you pronounce his name uh, so we we have uh, several tours going to places, uh, new places also for me. But then uh, I have uh, experts such as yourself co-leading co those tours to make sure that the uh, 
clients get the, their money worthwhile and, and get to see the, the, the best parts of the region we're going to. I'm very curious about the Asturias uh, and that coastline. It's uh, highly dramatic, obviously. Uh, but we are also including another region of that to, to uh, Bardena Reales, which is a desert landscape. So that, that will be a, a fun combo to spend a few days out by the coast and then drive to uh, Bardena Reales uh, to, to experience the deserts. Yeah, I wanted to mention that because Christian has been a guest on this podcast already. It was ooh, a long time ago. Let me check. Episode 81, back in June 2017. It's been almost wow. four, four years ago. And yeah, I've got some, some photos on, on that podcast about Northern Spain. And from what I see, from what I heard, is that it's... Uh, if you're thinking of places like Norway, Lofoten, or Scotland, uh, the northern coast of Spain is what comes closest to that in a certain respect to those type of uh, coastal landscapes. That's, that's what the people tell me. So I yeah, probably... well, I, actually, it resembles a lot to the coast uh, of, of uh, Cardiff mm-hmm. uh, in England. Uh, so, yeah, you, yeah, I, you're you're absolutely right. And uh, no, it, it's a beautiful part of Europe. Uh, not too many tours going there. I know Alistair Ben has a tour there, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, also. So um, it's uh, it's a, a great part of Europe to discover. Good. Uh, okay, so that was a very interesting conversation and especially as it always happens when I got some, some interesting guests to tell me about their, their favorite locations, especially locations that I don't really know, makes me want to, to add a bit more to, to my list of places I have to, to visit. So So many places, so little time. Just hoping yeah, exactly. With, uh, my, my bucket list is long enough to last me two lifetimes, I think. <laughs> I know, I know. But, uh, well, just confident that right now, we'll, with the summer, we'll be more free to, to travel across, especially across Europe. And uh, who knows, might cross, our paths might cross even before next year. Who knows? Yeah. Any, anything else you would like to, to add before we wrap this episode up? No, actually, no. It, it was quite conclusive, and it was really good to uh, be a guest at your podcast uh, that I have uh, listened to before. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, co-lead this workshop with you next summer. Likewise, uh, really enjoyed talking to you, and uh, hope all of our listeners have appreciated too, and maybe they've. Uh, started thinking about visiting Scandinavia for, for landscape photography outside of the typical, usual, very well-known places. So thanks to you for, for introducing us to, to them. And we'll put um, all the links and the photos of the places you mentioned in the, in the show notes at our website, ttim.photo. But do you want to uh, mention again where people can find you online? Yeah, so my, my photo tour uh, company, Photomagica, is uh, photomagica.net. Uh, that is, uh, again, a, a Scandinavian uh, service, so it's in Swedish. Um, but obviously, everyone is welcome, and I also arrange private tours. Uh, 
for anyone who is interested. And then also I have my own website where I display my own images, which is my first and last name together, MatthiasSjölund.com. Cool. Just to mention that Photomagica is written with an F, not PH. Yes, sir. Yeah, Good, but we'll put links, but I know that people are sometimes listening to the podcast when they are jogging, driving, or doing stuff. They're not on the web, so if we spell the name right, it's, it will be easier for them to, to find when they remember or want to check yeah. it out. Yeah. All right. Thanks again for, for being with us today, and all the best for your future trips, and see you on the road sooner or later. Yeah, cool. Love to. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.